You know, the most relevant question that every one of us must answer today was asked 2,000 years ago by a Roman government official named Pilate. What had happened is that the Jewish leaders had brought Jesus to the praetorium um, to ask Pilate to condemn him to death. And so here's Jesus, uh, Jewish leaders, all these accusations. Pilate takes Jesus inside the praetorium and says to him, are you the king of the Jews? And then a conversation ensued between Jesus and Pilate. And we're going to jump in at the end of that. Uh, Turn to John 18, and we're going to hear what Jesus said and how Pilate responded. I'll give you a moment to get there. Um, Please have a Bible in front of you this morning. I think we have them in the seats underneath. If you don't have one with you, look on with somebody next to you. Look on your phone. I want you to see God's word this morning. John 18. We'll be picking up in verse 37 where it says this. Verse 37 of John 18. Therefore Pilate said to him, so you are a king. Or I'm sorry, he didn't say it that way. He said, so you are a king? And Jesus answered, you say correctly that I'm a king. For this I have been born And for this, I've come into the world to testify to the truth. And everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Jesus said to Pilate when he asked, are are you a king? And Jesus said, yes, (laughs) you say it correctly, I am a king. And I came into the world to be a king. And I came into a world to testify to the truth. And the truth that he was testifying to was first that he is a king and he's the king of the Jews and the king of the world, the Messiah. But secondly, that he came to testify to truth in general and to what truth is. And it's Pilate's response to what Jesus said that becomes the question that every one of us needs to answer as the most relevant question we can answer today. Look back at the text. In verse 38, Pilate said this. Pilate said to Jesus, what is truth? What is truth? How would you answer that question this morning? What is truth? So I'm going to give you. I'm going to give you about 45 seconds to formulate an answer in your mind as to what truth is. But before you do that, I want to I say this. Don't get super spiritual on me. I know we're in church, I say, well, Jesus is the truth and God's word is the truth. All right, you got it right. But let's do this for a moment. Let's take truth out of the context of the Bible for a minute, okay? And then let's just take it because we use truth all the time in many conversations outside of even the Bible. And so now what is truth apart from the scriptural right answer of Jesus in the Bible What does it mean? And then guess what we can do? We can bring back the meaning of truth into the biblical context and it can shed some light on us about who Jesus is and what the Bible is. You following me? 
So I want to ask it to you in this way. If 11, don't, don't get super philosophical and intelligent on me either. If a 10-year-old child asked you, what is truth? What would you tell them? Okay, now that you have a super clear answer in your mind as to what truth is, as you would tell it to a 10-year-old, I want you to find somebody near you and don't go to your always go-to person that's real easy for you. Turn around and find somebody that you don't know as well. And I'm going to give you about 45 seconds to find somebody and just introduce yourself to them and then we'll give you some time. So you got it. 45 seconds. Find somebody and introduce themselves to you so they know who this is that's telling them what truth is. Uh, now we kind of have a little clarity into our minds as to what at least what we think or the people around us think the truth is. Uh, my job this morning is try to see if we can't nail that down and make it crystal clear for us. So I'm going to start by giving us basically the dictionary definition of truth. And I want to do that in this way. I'm going to show you a whole bunch of different dictionaries because I want you to see what I saw. Because something became very clear to me as I looked up truth in the Hebrew dictionary and like three different Greek dictionaries and then in the English dictionary, Webster. And there was something common that was in every one of them. When you start to see that, you say, hmm, there must be something here. So I want you to see what I saw. And I want that to happen for two reasons. Because one, they say we remember only 10% of what we hear but we remember 50% of what we see and hear. I want you to remember this. This is so important. And I'm gonna tell you another thing. Satan doesn't want you to know what the truth is. He's the father of lies. And he is gonna do everything he can to keep you. You know what he'd even do to you if I didn't show you these dictionaries? He would whisper this in your ears. Did the dictionary really say? <laughs> you ever hear that from Satan before? And he'd even do that this morning. So I want you to see what I saw so it can get ingrained into your heart and you can say, yeah, this is what truth is. So let's start with the Hebrew dictionary. Got them in PowerPoints. And um, boy, you bring up your phone, you get text while you're preaching. Kimmy, would you take this so I don't get this? I'd be tempted to answer them. And I don't want to do that. But uh, so you can see at the top the name of the dictionary. So I, I won't give you the name, but this is a Hebrew dictionary. It's called the Dictionary of Biblical Languages and Semitic Domains in Hebrew. And what I want you to notice in this dictionary is that the one Hebrew word, emet, for that's the Hebrew word, emet, that one word is translated two different ways. The first one we see in number one is faithfulness. The second one is true. And note what it says about that. It says in number one, faithfulness is what's is reliability. It's what's reliable. It's what you can trust. It's dependable. It's loyal. Now true is what's certain and sure. It's that which conforms to reality and is so certain that it's not false. Now what, what I want you to see is this. 
The Hebrew word can be translated either way. I come to this one word, emet. I'm reading, if I'm reading it in the Hebrew. And so I got to ask myself the question, is he talking about faithful here or is he talking about true in context to tell you which one? And when you're talking about faithful, he's talking about someone or something that's reliable. When he's talking about truth, he's talking about something that's real, okay? Now, this is the way that I summarize the Hebrew word for truth. Truth is reality that you can rely upon. You see the truth part in the front, the faithful part in the end. And when you put these, how does this, how does this work? What's happening is, is truth is reality that you can rely upon. You can depend upon it. You, you can trust it because it's certain. Now, faithful is this. It's something you can rely upon because it is real. <laughs> you see, it brings in the dependence, the relying upon something, but I can rely upon it because it is real. So truth is reality that you can rely upon. Faithfulness is I can rely upon it because it's real. I want you to see what, uh, how the Greek dictionary interprets the word for truth. Um, again, this is the same dictionary, but in the Greek, it says this for truth. That which is accord in accord with what really happens. Facts that correspond to reality, whether they're historical or eternal realities, as it's not limited only to historical facts. Another Greek dictionary says this, aletheina is the Greek word, aletheina. Uh, truth, true sincerity, integrity, indicates the quality or state of being real or genuine, often in the sense of visible or verifiable reality, demonstrated by facts, actual events, proven character. And then truth, it can be revealed, here's different areas where truth can be seen. It can be revealed in words, in acts, in the inner quality of a sincere mind or heart. And so truth is, again, we see what is real. Now look at how Webster defines this. So we've seen it in the Hebrew, we've seen it in the Greek, we're seeing some consistency. Now, how does Webster define truth? Well, when you look at number one there, the body of real things. Events and facts, it's actuality. Look at number two there, the state of being the case. It, it really is what it is. It's a fact. Look at under number two, A, the property of being in accord with fact or reality. Just one more dictionary. I'm sorry, it's, it, it's the word true now in the Webster Dictionary. Look at it again, 1A, being in accordance with the actual state of affairs. Number two, conformable to an essential reality. Look at letter C there. Being that which is the case rather than what is manifest or assumed. Did you notice any common element between the Hebrew, the Greek, and the English? Anybody? 
Who would want to shout it out and give us a try? Reality. The Hebrew dictionary tells truth means what's real. The English dictionary tells us truth is what's real. The, um, I, I, think, I don't know if I just said English or Greek, but you know, the Greek, the English, the Hebrew all say truth is what is real. It's reality. It's what really happens. It's what's really true and a fact. And that's why we're calling this series on truth, Let's Get Real. Because truth is what's real. Now I gotta give you the Pat Peglow definition. I want you to see it right out of that dictionary as well. It's a word, an action, a thought, or heart which so confirms the reality. Oh, I'm sorry, did it just come up? A word, an action, a thought, or a heart which so conforms to reality that you can bet your life on it. You know what truth is? You know, I, I try to show you it can happen a lot of different. Simply, this is my definition of truth. Truth is something that's so real you can bet your life on it. You can build your life upon it. It's reliable. It is so real you can build your whole life around it. That's what truth is. And so now we've got to ask ourselves this question. Now that we've defined truth, truth is what's real to the degree that I can rely upon it and build my life on it. Now that we know the truth is reality, I want to take it a step further. What's reality? <laughs> so in many ways, if Pilate understood what he was saying, which many of us use the word truth, and I'm not sure we understand what we mean by it. We just throw it around. And we're going to find out in weeks to come that God means a different thing from truth than the modern era meant from truth and what the postmodern era means from truth. So a lot of personal definitions of what, what truth is. Our goal is to find God's definition and God's truth. And so we got to take it a step further and ask, what is reality? Because when we ask the question, what is truth, that's what we're asking. Turn to John 14, verse 6 in your Bibles. We'll be looking at some different passages in John today as we look at this question. John 14, 6. Jesus said this. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Now, I want to emphasize one word in that verse. What word do you think it is? Not truth. It's the word the. Let's listen to the word the for a second. You notice there Jesus says, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. He doesn't say, I am a way, a truth, or a life. You follow me? He says, I am the truth. And I remember learning in Greek classes, they went to grammar, and I, I was so struck by this. But the word, uh, in the use of the there means, it's, it's what they call par excellent. 
It's used to point out someone who is like nobody else. They're one of a kind. There's nobody else in their class. You might say they're the goat. You know, they talk about the greatest of all time. Well, in this context, he's the greatest of all truth. And so when we see that Jesus is claiming for himself that he is not just a truth, he's just not one of many truths, he is the truth. He's the truth par excellence. He's the goat of truth. He is the only one in the class of his kind. He is the truth. That is who Jesus is. He is the ultimate truth like no other truth. He is the best of the best, the most excellent of excellent, the truth of all truths. Ultimately, when we go back and say, what is real? Jesus is reality. God is truth. The ultimate reality is not a precept or a thought that we formulate. It's a person. It's the person of God. And so reality that is so real that I can rely upon it and build my life upon it is God himself. And Jesus as God is saying, guys, I am so real. You can bet your life on it. You can build your life around me. And you know what? We know this is part, you know, because the word am and is, I think, I'm going to use a big word for me, it's so big I can't even pronounce it, ontological, which basically means that's the very essence or nature. Some of when you word is or am, that's talking about the essence. You know, and the, Jesus' very essence is he is truth. And so when we go to John chapter 1, verse 14, look at because what's the glory of God? It's the very essence of who God is put on display. So turn to John chapter 1, verse 14. And he says this, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we saw his glory. Glory as of the only begotten of the Father, the one of kind only glory of God the Father, that only begotten, that's what he means by that. There's no other glory like this glory. Full of grace and truth. Remember in Exodus when Moses said, God, show me your glory. And so God said, you know what? I can't show you the fullness of my glory because you will die. You know, if you saw my face, a man, it isn't the God, I'll kill you if you see my face. It's God's, God's glory is so rich. If man saw it in its fullness in the face of God, he'd die in the presence of him. I mean, that's how, how glorious God is. Man can't even take it. And then that's why Isaiah thought he was going to die when he saw the Lord on the throne. And then we see in Exodus 34 that God put Moses in the cleft of a rock and said, I'm going to let my glory pass by, but you're only going to see the back of my glory, not the front of it. And then he said this, then the Lord passed by in front of him and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord God. And now we're going to see, he's, now he's displaying his glory. He goes, God, show me your glory. You want to see what my glory is? Here it is compassionate and gracious, 
slow to anger, and abounding in loving kindness and truth. Wow. <laughs> Grace and truth, as well as there's much more to God's glory than just those two aspects of who he is. But as we see Jesus came and as John summarized, he said, you know, God's glory is manifested in his grace and his truth. And we at Moraine Valley for years have been really big in saying grace is very important and we have really worked hard at being a church of grace. But you know what? Truth is just as is important. And we need to hold grace and truth in tension. We need to learn how to let the two wed together in such a way that you can't even separate them. Because when I speak truth, it's full of grace. And when I speak grace, it's full of truth. Because as John Stott said, he said, truth without grace is too hard and grace without truth is too soft. But Jesus was the one who perfectly wedded grace together and displayed the glory of God. So now, we know that truth is a person. It's not a precept. Um, it's the person of God. It's the very essence of who God is in his glory. So where do we find out more about this truth? <laughs> where do we find out more about the reality of who God is in his glory? so we can rely upon him and build our life around it. Well, look at it, John 17, 17. I told you, we're staying in the book of John today. We can go back and forth with a couple verses. John 17, 17. It says this. Jesus is praying for his disciples. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. Where do we find the truth? Where do we find something that is so real that I can build my life on it? I can bet my life on it. I can rely upon it. It's right here in this book. Because as God is truth, his chosen vehicle through which he reveals the truth is the Bible. And it says in, in the book of Psalms that God has elevated his word with all of his name. God has given a weight to this book and to these truths that is equal with his own character because that's what the name means. It re it's who he is. It's his character. represents who God is. God is the one who says, I elevate my word as high as I elevate my name. And here's the bottom line, guys. Since God has chosen the Bible to be the vehicle to reveal his truth and what's real, and since he has elevated his word with his own character, a life that is built upon this book is a book that is real and it's a life that we can depend upon. We can rely upon these words to build our life. We can bet our life on it. 
I don't know what to do. Well, you know what? If this is what God says, I can bet my life on it. This, this, is, this is reliable. This is real. This is trustworthy. I know I can go here to know what I need to do. And I got to tell you something. This book talks about God. It talks about this world. It talks about us and the way we're made. It talks about how we come into a relationship with God. It talks about the way he changes me once I know him. It talks about marriage. It talks about money. It talks about conversations. It talk, the, you follow what I'm saying? Guys, if we want to know where reality is and where I can bet my life on something and build my life off of it, it's found in here because God has chosen this book to reveal who he is and what he declares to be true. We can build our life upon it. It's reliable. So I just want to close by applying this in a couple ways, okay? Let's take a couple applications. If, if God and his word is what's true, then a lie is what's not true, right? <laughs> so let's take a look at it from the other end. So on one hand, we have truth that is so real I can rely upon it. A lie is so unreal, if I bet my life on it, my life's gonna crumble and fall. Whether it's with eternity or whether it's with money or whether it's with marriage or whether it's with conversations or whether it's with, you found what I'm saying? And Satan is called the father of lies. His primary means of work is through deception. Deception means this, I believe a lie. So Satan is working to get us to believe a lie so we'll build our life off of that which is not real and is not dependable so our lives will crumble both here on earth and in eternity. And he uses false teaching, whether it's secular false teaching that comes from the world we live in or whether it's religious false teaching that comes in the context of churches. He uses false teachings to promote lies and uses his power to try to get people to believe those lies. That's what deception is. And we learned in our series on spiritual warfare, we took a look at Satan when he tried to tempt Jesus. And we saw two things. Satan is the master of taking verses out of context. <laughs> so guess what? When it's out of context, that isn't what it really means. So it's not real. So Satan is gonna try to work with you and me to get things out of context from what the scripture's saying both immediately around it and in the larger scripture. And you know what else Satan is an expert at, we learned? Of taking truth out of balance. In other words, let me take one truth. Yeah, this is true, but we're not gonna talk about all the other places in the Bible that also talk about that truth, that balance it out so we have that truth in its fullness and not just one piece of the truth. So Satan's gonna work to take truth out of context so it'll become a lie or to leave it by itself so it's not the full truth that you can really rely upon and build your life on. So Satan's gonna, I just gotta let you know, guys, Satan's gonna do everything he can to keep you out of this book. 
He's going to do everything he can, use every means and every trick he has to keep you away from spending time in this book. And if you get in the book, then he's going to work hard to get you to take things out of context. Oh, man, that's what it means to me. I love that. Rather than what it meant to the original author and what God's trying to say to us. And so we're going to, he's going to work it out. And then if he can't get us to get it out of context, he'll get us not to consider what the rest of the scripture says to bring that truth into balance with the whole counsel of God's word. You know, let, let me try to illustrate this. Um, this is a wall. You've seen this illustration before when I talked about what faith is. And faith is when we, I've always said this wall is Jesus and this is ultimate reality. This is something I can depend upon. I can trust it. I can rely upon it. I can bet my life upon it that if I lean against this wall and if I lean against Jesus and what he says, it's going to hold me up. All right, we're together, so this wall is real. But you know what Satan's going to do? He's going to try to convince us, no, this is the wall. So he's going to bring something into our life that kind of looks, for those of you over here, maybe you guys can get the camera on it, I don't know, but he's going to try to convince you, no, this is the wall. Look, it looks just like that. Now he's going to do everything he can in his mind to convince me to believe a lie that this is really the wall. It looks like it. It feels a little bit like it. You know, it's got the same color as that color. We see all these things, same makeup. So guess what Satan's trying to get me to do? Well, Pat, build your lie on this illusion, or build your life on this illusion, on this lie, because now I've believed the lie. And so now I'm going to build my life off of a lie. And if somebody would like to come up and volunteer what it's like to lean against this, I'd let you do that. But uh, you know what's going to happen when you lean against the lie? It's going to crumble. Your life's going to fall. You're going to go down. Satan is working to get us to believe a lie. And let me just give you two more apps. I'll just do it from here. I don't have 10 minutes to get back up on the stage, <laughs> nor do you. Some of you guys want to see the star of the Bears game. I know it. Justin Field is starting. I, I, I can see it. Steve, I see it in your face. How long is this guy going to go, man? Come on. We'll get you home in time, bro. <laughs> Let me talk about another thing. I think it's so important is what I'm going to call reframing our life with the truth. Whether it's what happened to me in the past What's happened to me in the present? What's going to happen to me in the future? And so when I frame my life in light of the truth, guess what? Now I'm going to build my life on reality. I'm going to be able to look at my past and see it in light of what's real. Not maybe in light of the lies that Satan has gotten me to believe that keep me in bondage and depression. You follow what I'm saying? When I look at the future, I can walk in faith because now I see where God's gonna be involved in my future. And I can see the kind of truths that God speaks and what reality has to do with our future. But what, what, even the present and something you may be going through, 
you know, and when we base our life on reality, then we actually will be healthy spiritually and emotionally and mentally because I'm not living out of an illusion. I'm not believing an illusion. I'm not believing a lie, but I'm believing what's real and I can bet my life on it. I can build my life around it. You following me? So let, let, me, let me give an example. Let, let's say something bad happened to you right yesterday. It's in the present. And you're sitting there and trying to figure out, you know, what's going on. Satan is whispering into your mind all kinds of things and telling you this. And here's some of the things that are true about what's going on with us right now. This is real. Romans 8.28 tells me that God causes all things to work together for the good, even the bad things. <laughs> I'm, oh, my life's going to be destroyed and this is bad. Then you go into all these places Satan takes you. But if I let God's truth speak to me about what's real about this situation I'm in, guess what? God's in control of this and God loves me. And he's going to use this to produce some good. And, he, and the ultimate good will be he's going to use this to make me more like Jesus. And then you can take a look at Ephesians 6 and say, guess what? Reality says, I'm not just dealing with humans here. I'm dealing with demons. There's spiritual warfare going on. And so there's more going on that meets the eye. And guess what, guys? The Bible is full of spiritual truth, which is invisible. That means there's things we can't see that are very real. And they're so real, we can bet our life on it and depend upon it and build our life around it. James 1 tells me that God uses trials to build my character. And as I trust him, he's putting my faith on the trial. So you guess what? I need to learn to trust God in this thing and see how he's going to use it to grow me. 2 Corinthians 4 says God uses trials to break down the control of the flesh in our life so that the inner life of Jesus can be released from me. So God's using this thing right now to make, like John the Baptist, I must decrease and he must increase. Well, God's using this present situation to break down the control of my life and make it more less about Pat and more about Jesus. You go to Lamentation 3, guess what? I find out that his mercies are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. And guess what? He's going to bring new mercies to me every morning as I walk through this time. And Hebrews 13 tells me that God is going to equip me with everything I need to do as well. God, I don't know what to do here. Well, he'll equip you with wisdom. God, I don't have the strength to go through this. He'll give you the strength to go through it. God, I don't have the right kind of heart and graces. to. Well, he'll give it to you. Follow the list goes on. Guys, we need to start looking at our life in light of truth. And Satan is trying to get us to look at life through the lie and depend upon the lie so our lives will crumble. And God wants us to look at our life through the truth so that we can build our lives on something that's reliable and healthy for us. I'm going to tell you simply how to do this. A book by uh, Greg Grishel or Craig Grishel. I'm sorry, I keep on getting that. I think it's Craig Grishel calling Winning the War for Your Mind recommend everybody get it and read it. It's a simple read, great illustrations. It's powerful. Um, 
This is how he says, and this is where I first learned the idea of reframing, it was from him. And it's really benefited my life since then. But uh, here's the four things you do to reframe, very simply. One is you gotta identify the problem. Uh, what am I going through right now? Or what is the past problem that's hindering me and keep me in bondage or discouraged and depressed? And so I, uh, I identify the thing that I'm looking at. Then the next thing I need to do is I need to speak and look and see what does God say about this kind of thing? And you know what? Maybe you might say, well, I really don't know what God, that's where we got brothers and sisters in the body. We got pastors, we got elders, we got teachers, you got friends. You know what? Maybe, maybe it's just so disorienting what you're going through that you need somebody else to speak the truth into it for you. And so we identify the problem and then we start building the frame with truth. And I start looking at this through the truth. And then this is what he says. Make a short declaration of the truth that you can put like on a three by five card about that situation. And then begin to review it. Begin to read it to yourself morning, evening, afternoon. Begin to pray about it until truth becomes the frame that you look at your past, your present, and your future through. Guys, and when we do that, guess what? I got a life I can depend upon. I, I'm living in reality. I'm not living in deception. I'm not living in a delusion. I'm not depending upon and trusting and betting my life on something that's gonna crumble. It's real enough that I can build my life on it and rely upon it. And let me just close with this. John 14, six, what did Jesus say? I am the way to God. I am the truth about God. I am the life of God that every person must have because they must be born again. It's not just about believing the right facts. It's about coming to the person who's real and receiving him into your life as you depend upon him. God gives us the gift of the indwelling spirit of Christ, the life of God within. Do you have that life? Because I'm going to tell you something, guys. Jesus says this. There's no other way. He's the only way. And if he is what's real, and what he says is real, and the Bible records it as real, guess what, guys? That is real. There is no other way to God but through Jesus. And have you dealt with Jesus and have come to God through him? Are you trying to be religious, trying to be moral, trying to be good, do enough good works? Or are you saying, Lord, I could never be good enough. I could, do, I could go to church every day of the week. I can do all the good deeds there are in the world. I can be as moral and squeaky clean as they come. And I'm still not good enough because nobody is good enough as Jesus. And he went to the cross as a substitute for you and me to pay for our sins. And by the way, he didn't just pay for our sins. He went instead of you and me because it's a death penalty. Sin, the, the penalty of sin is death. And so Jesus went instead of you and instead of me, he went to the cross to pay my penalty. He shed his blood so that one, the Bible says, 
when I put my trust in him, God so loved the world. Here's what's real, guys. God so, God so loves you. And you can build your life on what I'm gonna say here. God so loves you that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him, whoever will not perish. Yeah, there's a real perishing and there's a real place called hell, but they have eternal life. I want to encourage you this morning, if you have never before, guys, you need to build an eternity that's based on reality that won't crumble before your eyes, and that's Jesus. And you got to build your current life on what's real, and that's Jesus and what he tells us in this book in every area of our lives. So this morning, if you've never trusted Jesus, let this be the morning. I'll be here afterwards. There'll be people in front say, Pat, I, I need to understand more about that. I don't get that. Come up and we'd be glad to talk to you. And all we're saying is this, you need to transfer your trust from relying upon anything you can do to what Jesus did for you. And the Bible says, whoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. How do we, how do we make that happen? We call upon Jesus, say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. I'll never be good enough. I can never do enough. And my only hope is Jesus. And right now I'm putting my trust in him. Thank you that he died for me. And when you do that, you get the gift of eternal life because the eternal one will come and live inside of you by his spirit, Jesus. So Father, thank you for the privilege to share about truth. I pray that Moraine Valley and every one of us, Lord, would be people that build our life on reality. Lord, I know Satan is skillful at deceiving. He's done it to me. <laughs> and Lord, I'm sure he's done it to others here. And I just pray, God, would you show us any place right now where he's duping us and where he's deceiving us and getting us to believe lies that are not dependable? And God, would you flood the truth of God into our hearts and lives and minds and let the light of the truth overwhelm the darkness of the lies. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen.